Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Adenocarcinoma is described as a cancer that forms in the glandular tissue which lines certain internal organs. Lung adenocarcinoma is the most common primary lung cancer seen in the United States. It falls under the umbrella of non-small cell lung cancer and has a strong association with previous smoking. While incidence and mortality have declined, it remains the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. And joining us from Florida to tell his story is Jim Colvard, along with his wife, Dana Beardshire. Folks, thanks for doing this. And Jim, are you now clear of your lung cancer? Yeah, for the two, three, three scans, I guess it's been, I've been clear. Good for you. That's excellent. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think the other really notable thing is, in addition to being clear for, uh, we're not quite at a year, his cancer has been stable for over a, a year plus than the, the clear scan time. So that's a big deal to stay stable and not having it expand. And we credit a lot of that to some of the things that we talk about here tonight. <laughs> Good for you. Now, uh, Jim, were you a smoker? I was heavy smoker for for quite a quite a few. I'm trying to think how many years it was. Probably thirty years I smoked. Thirty years. Well, I ended when I quit. I was smoking over two pack, two and a half packs a day of straight, you know, filterless cigarettes. So, yeah, but then. I- no, it's been almost eighteen years. Yeah, it's been eighteen years since I quit. Yeah, it rem- reminds me of uh, you know we're both about the same age. Reminds me that uh, so many people smoked uh, in those days, and I started when I was eleven. Quit when I was twenty-one and was smoking two packs a day, and uh, I had chest pains, and I just had bought a package of cigarettes, had a smoke, and just threw them away. I thought I can't deal with this. But you know what? It was the hardest thing I've ever done is to quit smoking. It's really, really tough. Was it tough for you? You know, it was tough, but not as tough as I thought it would be. I I didn't quit for a long time because I didn't think I'd be able to, you know, I thought it'd be so, uh, that I wouldn't be able to. But but when I did quit, (laughs) it wasn't that bad. I was surprised. I was surprised. So Jim, are you saying I'm a wimp? (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> I would never. <laughs> you never said that. Now, Jim, what were some of your symptoms that led to your diagnosis? Pain, uh, like a pain in my neck, pain behind my shoulder, and in your chest, and my low. It was in your in my neck, back, and your chest, and your shoulder, shoulder. blade. Yeah, shoulder, neck, mostly. Like we were going to, chi- I was going to chiropractors and. Trying, you know, different things, trying to get it. I thought my back was messed up from falling off a ladder when I was working on the house here. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a terrible fall, but I figured that was what 
what it was. But anyhow, it ended up keeping me awake all night. So the next day we went in. and Well, Jim, Jim had spent a year before the diagnosis building our house. We converted a stable on our property into a home and he was a general contractor. So mm-hmm. we built our own home and we just thought he was tired from that. But he had enough pain that I said, we need to go and make sure this isn't a cardiac issue. And that's what we were wanting to rule out. We had no clue yeah. that there was. And they said, oh, we don't think there's anything, but you can stay for observation if you want. Maybe they'll do a stress test. But but we think there's 95% there's no problem. And I said, yeah, but you're having a lot of pain and we need to get to the bottom, so let's spend the night. And they did a CT scan and then we were off and running on the the cancer train. Uh, cancer treadmill. train. Yeah. <laughs> cancer train. What was yeah. your what was your reaction when you got the diagnosis that you had cancer? Uh pretty disconnected, I would say. It was a real sur- very surreal, you know, yeah. It was like, uh-huh. And it didn't at all sink in, you know, for for a while. It took quite a while really before I really started getting the gravity of it. Well, uh, I think that the other, the backstory here is that he had both of his parents died of cancer and his sister died of lung cancer and both his mom and his sister died at the same age that Jim was when he had his diagnosis. So that was a really big, scary thing. Mm. And I said, honey, everybody's got to have an exit strategy. Is this yours? And he said, no, I don't want it to be. I said, well, then we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and both I, and his family members had died within two or three months of their diagnosis. So it was very fast. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty scary. So, yeah, it was especially because of those mm-hmm. things it made it pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. So what sort of uh, what sort of action did you take or did the doctors take to deal with this? Well, I'm just to cut to cut it a little shorter. <laughs> we ended up doing I did a round of chemo and and then radiation was the But that wasn't for a long time. No, but what did we do and Well, in the we beginning just ran around he said I don't want to do chemo, I don't want to do these other things. So we went to a cancer clinic in Mexico, right? At, like the diagnosis was the very end of October and December 1st, we were in a clinic in Mexico. And I don't think that that clinic healed Jim's cancer, but I think it did a really amazing thing. And that was to really help his immune system to strengthen him instead of weakening him so when he did do some of the other standard of care things he was in much better shape to deal with him because he couldn't even walk out to the mailbox when he first was sick and when we came home from mexico he wasn't i wouldn't say you were well but you were a lot stronger and the other thing to say here is jim had no voice from the day of his biopsy his bronchoscopy October 28th of 2021 until February of this year. They said this is the cancer and it's never going to work. And we had a throat surgery procedure scheduled to help correct his voice. 
but he got a virus in February. And after the inflammation ended, his voice was, this is how his voice has always sounded, but he had almost no voice for, I don't know, a long time, long time, a year. And and so we were waiting to have an interview because Jim didn't have a voice. Yeah. So, so yeah, and then it came back, and it's just no surgery. Yeah. It just yeah. As as the um, cannabis has continued to heal that, I feel confident about that. The inflammation has gone down, and now that vocal nerve is fine now. Oh, okay, excellent. Without surgery, yeah, yeah. It, it was. They were just going to put an implant in that would have pushed the paralyzed vocal over to the other one and and we talked to several specialists the bronchoscopy people the oncologist the radiation doctor they all said no once these nerves don't work that's it it's just how it's always going to be and i said well i think they probably know what they're talking about but we know that there have been other nerve like spinal injury the miracles happen all the time and and and, you know, he was willing, but we didn't have to. We canceled the procedure because his voice came back. Tell us the story of how cannabis entered the picture for you. I'm not sure exactly. It was from reading articles online about it. And I had heard about it. We probably, I first learned about it when my sister had cancer and my brother brought up the information about uh, can- about marijuana pot working to... to uh, shrink tumors well it was the rick simpson story right that's what that's what they knew that's what it was and that was very hard um on everybody just because she was sick and it was just a new concept but when we we were both afraid about that but we kept investigating and then somebody in a group connected us to Corey and you know, it was a, you go down a lot of rabbit holes when you have cancer, looking for the best choices for you. And he, you felt very strongly that cannabis was. Yeah, I don't know why, but I did really strongly believe <laughs> that that would work, that it would work. Yeah. yeah. You were not a data person. I was the one mm-hmm. digesting all the data, but yeah. you were more intuiting what you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Early on they wanted to take a lung out, my lung out, you know, but that's a whole nother side story. Well, because, <laughs> but it was because a long the doctors journey. the doctors here where we live were saying that wasn't gonna like they just didn't have much faith in rate radiation or chemotherapy being a solution. So we went to see a hot shot doctor hotshot thoracic surgeon in Houston. And they said, oh, yeah, we think you're an excellent candidate for this. So let's try this. And I think the important thing to say is the reason that, Jim, we did uh, some of the standard of care stuff in addition to the cannabis and supplements was because he the tumor was wrapped around his pulmonary artery. And it was a just a matter of time before that ruptured and then it would be immediately fatal. So we felt like we had to do everything we could to try to 
shrink the tumor. Shrink, debulk that tumor, yeah. right? Yeah. If we had not had that critical thing going on, I think we would have taken it completely. I don't, I don't know if it's fair to call it a slow boat, but you know that the alternative integrative boat only and not done radiation. Don't you, honey? Like that was the decision that we made that we just didn't like that he was a walking time bomb. Yeah. That pulmonary yeah. artery. That was kind of the way it was. So you started on the cannabis and how did that go for you? That we talked to somebody that Corey connected us in January of 2022. And so I think probably we started doing oils in February for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We did suppositories as the method of doing it. And I was pretty concerned about getting way too high doing that much oil. But, uh, well, how long it takes to get there, too. It's a really, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, once I got really high, and that was, because I do it when I go to bed, so I just yeah. put it in and go to bed. One day, though, I did it early, and I was vacuuming and stuff around, cleaning the house, and I think it <laughs> put it up in there further, So and that made me way, way high. Boy. <laughs> Corey's laughing. <laughs> I'm sure she's heard that story before. <laughs> Maybe not the vacuuming part, but the, you know. Yeah, but right. you got the housework done, so there you go. <laughs> I had to go lay down a for a while in, in the middle, but yeah, it was okay though. <laughs> you were doing a gram a day divided over three doses. Is that well, what actually he did? He did a half. We did not yeah. ever do a gram. Yeah, okay. No, mostly it was a budget thing for us. We yeah. were retired, and it was a fixed income, and we said this is what we could do, and yeah. So and and so we've made them. I mean, I know we you and I talked we all talked, you and I and Jim Corey about syringes, but we decided to make suppositories. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I think we both attribute the especially I mean it's hard to say when you're doing supplements and you're doing some off label meds, but I feel pretty confident that the cannabis has is hugely responsible for Jim's voice. The continued, it's not just that he's no evidence of disease, but the scans continue to show that change and that it's shrinking and that yeah, smaller and smaller yeah. every time. Yeah. So it's a, I think that, that I think that's therapeutic dose yeah. is, it was critical. It is critical. And I think the most important thing to us is continuing to do that maintenance now like you can't you can't stop people stop it's not a good idea no for a couple years anyhow so yeah i don't understand i would love to have Corey. somebody tell me this kind of the science or the biochemistry around why cannabis has a therapeutic value or benefit here where's dr malamede when you need him uh, <laughs> I don't have any trouble understanding that it misses the liver pass and you don't have to be altered. And I understand the inflammation and all the e-cannabinoid stuff, but I just think it's incredible. I just think it's so, so important. And, you know, if I could stand on a stage or a street corner and 
convince people that this was so important. I would do it. I feel passionately about it. Well, good for you. Jim, you intuitively knew that somehow this was going to be the right thing, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. And that's the only thing that I, well, (laughs) that and I didn't want to, as the time came nearer to actually go through with getting my lung removed, I more and more did not want to do it, you know, and, and that I kind of would say I intuited that too, not because as it turned out, it wasn't an issue anyhow. It didn't have to be removed, you know, so. Yeah. So, so were you scheduled to have your lung removed? No, we went and they said, we want you to do these things. and We want you to do a couple rounds of chemotherapy to see if we can't shrink the margin. So mm-hmm. they were saying there was a lymph node involved and they were concerned about like removing a lung and then having it be all for naught because they hadn't stopped the cancer from progressing from moving to other places. And as it turned out, I mean, to be really candid, I think there was a lot of nonsense about some of those protocols. They don't make sense clinically from a critical thinking perspective. Sorry to say that, but that's what I think. Um, And I think that they just were always wanting us to keep going, to stay on some kind of a train, you know, the chemotherapy, the radiation. They were very unhappy with us because from the time Jim was diagnosed until he had a first sort of procedure of some kind, chemotherapy, something, it was six months. They were not pleased with, I mean, nobody was rude or ugly or anything, but they were not happy that he wouldn't get on that little conveyor belt. And we weren't trying to avoid them. We just weren't clear. We just, you know, he didn't know what he wanted to do and we needed time. And we were not taking our time with doing other integrative things. We just were taking our time with doing the more invasive things. And I think everybody has to find their way, but we didn't want to do some of the stuff they wanted him to do. What stage were you, Jim? 3B, I think. 3B. Yeah, 3B. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, the inflammation and stuff, they thought it was the cancer spreading. And so they said it was a four. But as it ended up being turning out, it was actually just inflammation. And they were able to clear that up with antibiotics. He had a bacterial infection. He just needed antibiotics for. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, reading today, it says stage three means it is spread further into your lymph nodes and the middle of your chest. Right. Yeah, I was middle of my chest. That's And, and one one lymph node was involved also right there, right in that same area, that center of my chest. So it was locally metastasized, mm-hmm. which is why three and not four, right? Yeah. It was interesting reading about this adenocarcinoma, because it says, this is from the National Institute of Health, it says an estimated 83% of cases are diagnosed in people aged 65 and older. Mm -hmm. Men are most likely to be diagnosed with it between the ages of 80 and 84. Really? You're not 84, Jim. And (laughs) while most cases in women are found between the ages of 75 and 79. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that it was 
more directed towards the seniors. Well, they're seniors, and now we have a new term in our world. We call them elder seniors. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we refer to my mother. Oh, okay. <laughs> we just used to say, God, they're old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you're taking the cannabis. You're doing about a half a gram a day, right? Or, he was. I was. And then just now? We're just, just changing. Yeah, we're changing now. Now that he's to, had three clean scans, mm-hmm. then I, I clearly I'm the pharmacist in the house. <laughs> now that we've he's had three clean scans, we're taking it down to... Uh, lower uh, to about 65 milligrams a day is what we're going for. Hmm. So. And you're still, you're still feeling, you're still feeling well. Yeah, I feel great. I I feel nearly completely better. The only thing that's not is a little bit of my, well, an amount of muscle that I lost during it all. Yeah. Getting my strength back, but I feel pretty good. I, I'm not as strong as I was at one time, but Jim is stronger than most men every day. So it's relative, right? Cause he's yeah. a very, very strong man. He's stronger now than many of the men we know. But your voice sounds great for having not had a voice for well yeah. over a year. Yeah, it was literally just a whisper. I couldn't oh. make any sound really with just air. air. Did Dana say she liked that? <laughs> no well, I'm a chatterbox she never let on about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I would rather he talk for himself and I'm certain there are a lot of notes in the charts about us um, <laughs> another thing that I, <laughs> about his wife not yeah. him yeah. Um, another well plus I'm a healthcare provider so yeah. I want to have my nose in all of it and I want a lot of answers and I want explanations and I want to collaborate as opposed to just being a compliant patient. I'm not good at that. But one of the other things that I think is really important, it was to us, was that we have always been completely above board about everything he takes and why he takes it. And with the doctors, we didn't want any contraindications. We didn't want any conflicts. And we have always been completely above board about everything he's doing with the um, hospital providers. And what has been their response to the protocol that you've been undertaking with cannabis? I would say nothing remarkable, but also we were really clear. We weren't asking for their permission. We weren't asking them what their opinions were. We were just letting them know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that clarity If I could change anything for people, it is to have the strength of their convictions and their intuitive process that we we should trust our bodies, we should trust ourselves, and we should know that those things are okay, regardless of what other people think. And because of our clarity, I don't think we got much feed, much blowback or problems. Didn't really, or, yeah. hardly at all. And yeah. and eventually, you know, when Jim was doing so well during chemo, he just had a little bit of chemo, but he had 30 radiation, proton radiation treatments. They said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. It's working. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Jim, having gone through this and had three scans which show that there's no evidence of disease, has what you've gone through changed your perspective of life? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot. I'm a lot more uh, conscious of death, you know. Yeah, the, my own mortality, uh, it's a, definitely more in my face now. I think it makes just everyday life, even more mundane kind of stuff, valuable, more uh, whatever. I don't know what the word is. You appreciate it. Appreciate Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So We're going to Italy in September. We are. I'm coming with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're just going to have to accept our itinerary, though, because I've already <laughs> sorted it all. Okay. <laughs> You'll like it, I promise. <laughs> yeah. have, you been there, have you been there before? No, no, yeah. Our kids gave it to us as a a birthday gift. I wanted to go, and they said, "Oh, we better, we better let them go now while they're still here, <laughs> still able to do it." Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that that'll be fun. Good for you. It's remarkable, you know, when we talk to people and ask them about having dealt with life-threatening issues and how it's changed their perspective of life. I mean, your comment is as valid as anybody else's because it's almost like people who've gone through what you've gone through, what Corey has gone through, you don't sweat the small stuff anymore. Right. It's true. It's true. And the, you know, the bullshit that people complain about really, if they had to go through a life-threatening situation like you folks have gone through, then they wouldn't be complaining about it. I think you're right. Yeah, I think. Right. I think that you, I mean, we have experienced some pretty significant loss in our life, so it's not an unfamiliar thing, but I think the grace that we noticed, the grace of the people that loved us, the grace of the people that helped, the grace of the people we connected with, like Corey and another guy that we know that was NED before Jim that had the same cancer who was a really lovely guide and um, shared incredible resources to finding things with us, including cannabis. He was a a really good, helpful person about that in the beginning before we were connected to Corey. I, I think that grace is just amazing. And if you can shut out all the fear and follow your intuition and notice that grace, what opens up for you in the world is it will be it's beyond anything you could imagine if you were having to figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. When you throw yourself into that and say, OK, here I am, I'm willing, I'm I'm listening, I'm going to follow the direction and whatever roadmap you can find, because that's the hardest part is in the beginning, it's overwhelming and there's so much stuff and there's so many people and sorting through all of that and trusting yourself is then you can find whatever you need. Yeah. When you go to Italy, are you taking some suppositories with you? Well, you know, we, that's we've a really had a conversation about that. Yeah. I don't think I'm we trying are. To figure, well, my understanding is we can apply directly to the country that we're going to and get permission to do it. Um, we don't really worry much about doing that domestically. We just take things 
right on board with us in our carry-ons, but I'm a little more anxious about Italy. Does somebody have some information to how share with you? How long are you going to be in Italy? 16 nights. Let's message out. Let's message tomorrow. Okay. Uh, it might be better for, you know, I mean, I don't know about writing the country and getting permission. And quite frankly, it's the first I've heard of it. Okay. Well, you have more experience than we do. I'm sure. you know, maybe we can arrange for something to be there when you're there. Oh, um, that's a good idea. I personally have to say to you that I would not recommend taking this on board and trying to get into Italy with it. I just. That'd be awful that's myself. really important. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Really, Thank you. really. I would not encourage you to do that. But we're not feeling that. I mean, if it was just like a week, I think we would feel like it'll be okay. We will fly under that grace umbrella that that we live in right now mm -hmm. but it's a little bit longer and so i hate to completely take it away yeah yeah okay That's well a good idea. maybe we can come up with okay. a suggestion Corey will figure it out guys it was well, I have no doubt and you know it's people like her that uh they light the way right? They are the light bringers. They are the light keepers. They are the lighthouses of these experiences. And without them, it's so much harder. And it's amazing to me that people give the time and the love and themselves to this the way that it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Only sad that we have to be so sick and so needy in order to find that. You know, it's like hospice care. We should all have hospice care every day of our lives. That model is amazing and beautiful, but you have to be like at the doorway to transition before you get it. So I'm so grateful that we found that's the grace finding these. How do you, you know, it's like a giant haystack and finding things like this, these resources is just mm -hmm. almost too much to believe. Very well said, Dana. And uh, great to talk to you, too. And I hope you have a wonderful trip to Italy. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the people. Enjoy the wine. And, I think uh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we will. <laughs> yeah. And then when you get back, just hammer the cannabis oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And maybe that's another strategy, and we can talk about it, Corey. Like, do we keep it amped up and then take it back? To, yeah, so... Good to meet you guys and a wonderful story. Thank you. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. That helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, 
CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.